This podcast is brought to you by Donato's Pizza. The NFL playoffs are among us, ladies and gentlemen, and Donato's Pizza has your back. Donato's does a great job of ensuring that every piece of their pizza is the best pizza that you'll eat. They also have incredible subs and wings as well, making them your go-to spot for playoff football. This Sunday, if you buy any two large pizzas, you can get a free large one-topping pizza by using the code BILLS online. Here in Erie, we're supporting the Bills this weekend. So is Donato's Pizza. Use that code Bills online and secure yourself a nice little discount. Thank you to Donato's for sponsoring this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the greatest sports journalist in the history of Erie, Pennsylvania, Mr. Mike Balco. My boy, my boy Michael Balco, writer, podcaster, sports enthusiast. He is the first guest that we have on the Black and Go Hour podcast this year. Who that disc contributor, and he also has his own podcast, the Mike Belco Show. Uh, I want you all to uh, welcome Mr. Mike Belco. Today, to speak about the New Orleans Saints is Michael Belco from the Michael Belco Show. Host of the Michael Balco Show. Please welcome Michael Balco. What's up? What's up? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new season of the Michael Balco Show. Today, I am excited to kick off season four by announcing my guest. He's a former four-star recruit from Allen, Texas, a second-team All-SEC running back for Arkansas, and a current running back for the Washington Commanders. Jonathan Williams, how we doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to. I'm glad to have you, brother. I'm glad to have you. Just wrapped up a season. You know, we're feeling good, feeling good. Before we go too much further, we got to rep that area code, man. Tell us about your hometown of Allen, Texas. What makes it so unique? Man, it's a great place, man. It's, uh, I know a lot of people have watched Friday Night Lights. I mean, it's the closest thing to it. You know, it's a it's a whole city that everybody loves football. The whole city closes down on Fridays. Everybody goes to the football game. So uh, it's like a religion out there. That's dope. That's dope, man. I love I love cities like that because here in Erie, Pennsylvania, it ain't like that. <laughs> it ain't like yeah. that. It ain't like that at all, bro. It ain't not I even. Mean, my high school, man. Uh, I got a lot of pride in it. You know, I argue with a lot of guys in the locker room about you know who has the best high school, who would have won, and this and that. But uh, it's hard for people to compete with with Allen. You know, I mean, we got somewhere around ten guys in the NFL right now. I uh, got a crazy sixty million dollar stadium, so. Uh, they put their money where their mouth is, and they love they love football out there. So it was fun going there. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And I, one of the things I love to do is I love to look back at, like, old, just absolutely stacked, like, high school squads and, like, see who's in the league now. Bro, I'm going to have to do some research on, on good old Allen, bro. I'm going to have to. Yeah, Kyler Murray. <laughs> Kyler Murray is the representative. All you right. Know, we, have, we have a couple guys. Jalen Guyton, uh, he's out there in, uh, uh, with the Chargers. Um, Jonathan Williams. Jonathan Williams, you know. <laughs> Cedric Oway, he he's an offensive lineman with the Jets. So we have a, we have a quite a few guys. We got some good guys. There's some dogs. In high school, we're going to talk about it. In high school, you racked <laughs> up more than 3,500 rushing yards, scored 39 tutties. Uh, you were also a four-star recruit. Tell us about your recruiting process as a whole, um, how you stood out to college coaches at such a young age, and um, why you ultimately decided to take your talents to Arkansas. Uh, my recruiting story was crazy. Uh, I mean, probably like everybody else's. Um, 
But uh, I, I made it on varsity my sophomore year, and I got hurt uh, within the first couple games of the season, so I missed my entire sophomore year. So I just remember going into that offseason um, and working my butt off. I remember telling the coach, like, hey, I'm going to run for 2,000 yards next year. I'm telling you, I'm going I'm to do it next year. Like, I was, I was determined because I felt like I had already kind of, you know, was a step behind everybody because I didn't get to play, you know, as much as I wanted to my sophomore year. So I went into my junior year. You know, we have a, a really good team, good offensive lineman, good our quarterback. The quarterback that I played with at the time, he went to Alabama. Uh, we had good receivers. So we had a stacked offense. So I wasn't the only only person on the team. Um, um, so I had a good year that year, started getting recruited. And at the time, um, it was before A&M and Missouri went to the SEC. So they were in the Big 12. And I grew up in Texas. So I was a Big 12 guy. You know, I liked UT and OU and A&M. And I used to watch all those games. So I grew up always wanting to play in the Big 12. So um, I'm from Texas thinking that, you know, I'm going to get offered from UT and A&M and Texas Tech and all these schools. But um, initially, the only school that offered me from the Big 12 was Missouri. And so I got Missouri, but I got a lot of SEC offers. I got a lot of Big Ten offers, Wisconsin and Michigan and Michigan State. But nobody in the Big 12 was really uh, offering me. And so I committed to Missouri because I was like, okay, I'm going to play against all those Big 12 teams that don't want to offer me. And then they end up going to the SEC. So at the time, I'm thinking, ah, I don't really want to play for Missouri in the SEC. Like, I, I wanted to go to Missouri, and it was a good school, but I really wanted to play in the Big 12. So if I'm going to play in the SEC, I don't know if Missouri is the school that I want to go to. So the way that um, we do it at Allen is that our coaches try to make the commits keep their commitment. So whenever you commit to a school, they don't let you receive uh, any of the, the letters that the school sends you. Like, you're, you're, you're done. You know, when you when you commit to a school, you're done. You don't get the letters. People can't still recruit you. So I had been committed to Missouri for a couple months at that point. So I actually messaged um, the running back coach at Arkansas at the time, um, Tim Horton. And so I messaged him and, and was, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, if I, if I decommitted from Missouri, would I still have a standing offer and, he pulled up at my school like the next day. Comes to my school, they call me out of class. Uh, I meet with them. They had a game against Auburn that following Saturday, and so I, I um, scheduled my official visit. Went up there, um, enjoyed it, loved it. Met the guys. I thought that that was the place for me. So uh, shortly after that, I decommitted from Missouri and, and committed to Arkansas. And I mean, I'm here now, so I think that was a that was a good choice for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's actually wild. That's actually wild because. A lot of people don't realize out there listening that like every little minute detail plays a huge impact in where you're going to take your talents. You know, like a lot of, a lot of dudes, it's coaching, you know, like if, if the coach yeah. that committed them, if they dip, like they're dipping too, like they don't want to play for a different coach, you know? And, you know, in your case, it was different. It's like, you wanted to play in the big 12 and, you know, Missouri was there, but then they moved to sec. So you just said, all right, bro, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go yeah. run it up in Arkansas real quick. You know? And then they had Paterno, Bobby Paterno, you know, I was always, when I was six years old, I told my dad I wanted to go to the league. So, uh, him being the former NFL coach, you know, that helped, you know, in my recruitment as well because I already knew that the offense that I would run would be NFL, you know, pro scheme, uh, you know, and it would just kind of start tailoring my game for, you know, ultimately the NFL. So, uh, even though I didn't get to play for him because of everything that happened, you know, in his situation, but um, I don't regret going to Arkansas at all. I love, I love my time there.
for sure. If I yeah, can do it again, I'll go back. Yeah, you balled out too. You balled <laughs> out. You did your thing from the jump, literally, bro. You saw playing time as a freshman. Um, so what for you, you know, was the biggest transition from high school to college football? The biggest transition from high school to college? Uh, if you had one. I know a lot of dudes that I've had on this show, they're just like, man, listen, I just went there, did my thing, and it was fine. You know, it's just like a step yeah, up, I mean, really. Really, I mean, I, I don't really know, to be honest. I just played football, you know. It was different, um, you know, because you go from being the guy to going to being the freshman, and now you're not the guy. And some people still are the guy as a freshman, but when I was there, I had big bros there, now Davis, Ronnie Wingo. Dennis um, Johnson. Um, so I was behind those guys initially, you know, and I still got some playing time, still got, you know, a couple plays in here and there, but th those were the guys, though, and they were ballers. And, but they showed me the way, though. They definitely uh, led the path, showed me the way. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that they taught me as a freshman is still stuff that I use today, still stuff that helped me get to year seven in the NFL. So uh, I still stay in contact with now Davis all the time. He always is checking on me. Uh, making sure that my body's feeling right, making sure that I'm doing all the right things. You know, he was big on, on keeping your body fresh. He was big on recovering and stuff like that. So those are the things that, you know, as a young guy, I started adding to my game off the field to help me stay on the field. You know, so let's talk about let's talk about let's talk about 2014, Jonathan Williams, Arkansas. 2014. <laughs> 2014, my man, we erupted for 1,200 yards. 5.6 yards of carry, 12 tutties. Um, and then you gifted Arkansas fan base on Christmas Eve following that season on your YouTube channel <laughs> that you were going to return to college. Um, so we hear all the time from like the big analysts, half of them hadn't even played a lick of football in their life, so they don't usually know what they're talking about too much. But um, we hear all the time, you know, from like Mel Kuyper, you know, Skip Bayless, dudes like that. Like if you have a big year, you need to declare. What led to your decision not to declare, which I respect, by the way. I'm a big, like, go back to school guy, get that degree, all that. But what, in your instance, was the reason that you decided to go back to Arkansas and give it another go? Uh, I mean, I think every for everybody, it's, it depends on their situation. Um, for me, it was different because, um, I, I mean, maybe I overthought it for sure. But, I mean, not really. I mean, it if I didn't get injured, it would have been a perfect, um, you know, it, it, it would have played out great. But um, the, what I was considering was that whenever you get drafted, it's slotted. So it's not like you get drafted and you start negotiating the contract. I mean, you can negotiate how much is guaranteed or not, but it's slotted. So wherever you get picked, that's how much money you're going to get. It, it's not a base, of, you know, it's based off of the draft pick. So in my mind, I was thinking, well, if I'm going to be locked into a four – four-year deal, I want to get locked into the most I can get, you know. And so the word that I was getting was that if I come back and have the same year as my junior year, that I could potentially go late first, second round, a higher draft pick. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll get drafted higher. Um, I used to do – everybody does summer school, but I used to take extra classes in the summer so I could get even, even further ahead. So I only had one class to graduate. So in my mind, I'm thinking – I'm really going to be an NFL. I'm going to be an NFL player next year. You know, I got one class. That class was a, a class where I just had to write a 20-page paper and I talked to the the uh, professor throughout the the semester. So it really wasn't a class. So I was all I was going to be doing was playing football. And I'm like, man, I can ball out, 
get drafted even higher, graduate, you know, do, you know, it, it'll be perfect. It didn't work out that way, as <laughs> people know. A lot of plans that you make, it doesn't always work out the way that you want it to, but it always works out, you know. You can't always, you know, it doesn't always go according to plan, but it's still, you know, working out for me. So, uh, yeah, that, that was that was really the whole the whole point. And I thought we had a really good team too. You know, we we finished my junior year off pretty well. We had a lot of guys returning. Um, and at Allen, you know, I think I lost maybe three or four games in my whole high school career. So I was used to winning. So I was like, man, I want to go out on top. You know, I felt like we really had a chance to win the, the SEC that year. We had a lot of injuries that year that kind of um, slowed us down. But, you know, I thought that yeah. I thought that, that was going to be a, a good year for us. It still just, was a good year. It still yeah. was a good year, to be honest. But it could have been even better if everybody could have stayed healthy. Yeah, and just to give context, you had that huge 2014 year splitting carries with your boy Alex Collins, too. So, like, y'all were just that two-headed backfield, bro. Now both y'all in the league. Both y'all yeah. in the league now just doing your thing. It's dope, bro. It's dope. I love it. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of people also that are listening don't always realize that, like, you know, you're catching wind, you know, when you're in college, like – and you're a draft prospect, like you're catching wind of like where you're projected to end up, like what round you're projected to end up, kind of like you just touched on. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in your instance, it would have literally been perfect because it would have been perfect. Yeah, you know? it would have been perfect, but it's OK, because a, a little adversity, you never hurt anybody. That's what I like to preach. Um, oh, no doubt. So you wound no up, doubt. you suffered that that foot injury during camp that year. It kept you out the whole 2015 season. How tough was that to go through and how did you overcome that adversity? Man, it was tough. It was tough. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like, you know, it just was a breeze to get over because, um, you know, I did that with the mind of, you know, being able to get drafted higher, being able to help my family out financially. And now you're getting in a position where, you know, you're kind of doubting God. You you know, you're just in a, like, man, why did this happen to me? You know what I mean? Why, dang, am I, you know, it's just not going the way that you always, that you planned it, you know? And just, you know, like you said, adversity helps people. You know, it, it makes you stronger. Um, and that's just that's what it did. You know what I'm saying? I had to lean on God. I had to realize that things ain't, don't go, always go your way, you know, but they're still going your way. You know, just because it's not the way that you planned it doesn't mean that it's not going in your favor. So uh, that lesson that I learned from that is still something that's going to help me throughout the rest of my life, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean. You were almost able to use kind of like that year almost to just literally prepare your body for the NFL. You know, I mean, obviously the foot injury sucks, dude, especially as a running back and and all of that. Like having a foot injury is a tough blow, but the rest of your body's not taking those blows. So almost yeah. it, it kind of adds adds a little bit of length to your career. You're able to, you know, do your yeah, thing. I, I I like the perspective, but I don't know, I don't know about that. Hey, so, I'm just, I mean, it's, it's still an injury, you know. And, yeah. You never want to have to have surgery. You never want to have to go through rehabbing because, you know, whenever you whenever you have an injury, it's not like you can come back. Well, I mean, you try to, but in the reality of it, it's hard to come back better than you were initially. You know, you're trying to get back to where you were. You know, you're trying to get back to, okay, can I cut? Can I? And then you have to grow. So it's, it almost is a two-year process, you know, yeah. because even going into my rookie year, my foot still wasn't really healed. And I remember going through the whole process. Um, it was tough, man, because my foot was would swell up all the time. And I didn't really want to tell teams that my foot was swelling up, that my foot was hurt. Uh, I go into pro day, actually, and 
the whole week leading up to pro day, I couldn't even work out because my foot was so swollen. So I'm like, man, am I gonna be able to even do pro day? You know, I don't want, I can't, I don't want to tell teams that my foot is sore and my foot hurts and this and that. So um, I didn't even get the train leading up to pro day. Um, I go out there and I'm running my 40 with my cleats taped, my cleats spatted because my foot, hurt, you know, I'm, you're supposed yeah. to be trying to be as light as you can, and I'm <laughs> adding tape to my foot. So uh, it was definitely a tough process, man. But my family was supportive. They helped me throughout the way. My agent pushed me you know, through a lot of workouts that I didn't feel like my foot was ready to do, but he pushed me to do it, and ultimately that paid off. So uh, I got a lot of good people in my corner that helped me get to this point for sure. That's awesome. And you were able to participate in the NFL scouting combine too and wound up being selected in the fifth round of the 2016 NFL draft. What was that moment like for you? I know that you told me earlier in the show that, um, you know, it was your dream, man. You told, you told, you know, you told people that you were going to make it to the league and then yeah. you are, bro, getting drafted in the fifth round by the Buffalo Bills. How was that? It was a good time, man. And to be honest and to be real with you, that's probably one of the moments in my career that I regretted the most and how I handled it. Um, just because people can get what they want in their minds. They can want it so bad that when it doesn't work out the way that they want it to, they just aren't grateful, you know, and I wanted to, as a kid, I always dreamed of going in the first round, second round. And, you know, that's what I thought I was going back to college for. So I was still so stuck in that, you know, of like, Oh, I need to get, I, I was supposed to get drafted high. I missed the season, my foot. I hurt my foot. I still want to get drafted that high, you know, and I was just so worried about the wrong things at that time, being a young kid. And, you know, I was worried about, oh, I didn't get drafted high enough. I got up in the fifth round, oh, but I got drafted, you know, and I, I didn't play the year before. And, I'm, you know, I wasn't grateful, as grateful as I should have been. You know, I had my mom and my brother and my sister and my aunt down. I had a couple friends down and it was something small, you know, not a big event, but it was the people who, have always been behind me my whole life, my whole career. And to share that moment with them and not be as, you know, actually I've warmed up afterwards, you know, after everybody was excited and screaming, but in the moment, you know, I was still like, what round is this? And before I got drafted, I was walking around moving, oh, I still haven't got drafted. And, you know, I just wish that I was, uh, I was in the moment more, you know, and not worried about how high I got drafted or how low I got drafted and just enjoyed my family, enjoyed the, the opportunity because that only happens once. And it doesn't happen to everybody, you know? And so the only thing that I would, the biggest regret that I have in my career was when it first started and how I took that moment. Cause I felt like I could have been a lot more excited, which eventually I was, you know, but just in the moment, it's it just, you know, like I said, I wish I would have been more in the moment and just been more grateful initially. Yeah, man. And, and I mean, it all comes with it because you're you're right. You're investing everything that you've done your whole life into that moment. So I can I totally get it. You know what I mean? Like it's very it's it's hard to deal with, you know, and a lot of people can't. And a lot of times that's why people's careers don't pan out the way that they want. But you're very you've proven that you've been able to handle it. You know, you you almost yep. added it as a chip to your shoulder, you know, because you're out here year seven. You feel me? Like, no doubt. No doubt. It's definitely a chip. You always got to have that chip on your shoulder, you know, yeah. so for sure. Most definitely. What was your welcome to the NFL moment? Uh, honestly, um, it was in Buffalo after actually my my rookie year, and growing up, middle school, high school, I wore number five because I wanted to be just like Reggie Bush. I used to love watching. I used to watch his highlights every day. I used to go outside and try to cut back reverse field and do all you know practice the moves he did. 
So um, we're in camp, and I hear that we signed Reggie Bush. So we go into our meeting rooms, and Reggie Bush is right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's, you know, that, that's Reggie Bush. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to look at him, then turn away and not look, you know, make it seem like I'm staring. I'm like, man, he probably thinks I'm lame, you know. <laughs> like, who is this kid <laughs> staring at me? But uh, that was just a great experience, man, to, to be able to talk to him and be in the same locker room as him, pick his mind. He's a great dude, you know. And obviously, we became friends after that. Um, but he was a great dude. And I think for me, that was just my, my welcome to the NFL moment. Like, man, I'm really out here with Reggie Bush, you know. And I feel like a lot of guys have those moments with Reggie, you know, just because he was just an icon growing up as a kid. You know, he was he was that dude. So um, definitely being in the being in the same locker room as him was crazy. I remember <laughs> – so we used to play ping pong all the time. We had this ping pong table that we used to get on, and I used to kill him. And so um, – I was leaving one day, and he wanted to get a rematch back. And so I'm walking out. He's like, hey, Jonathan, uh, come back. Let's play ping pong. In my head, I'm like, oh, Reggie Bush knows my name. You know? I'm like, oh, Reggie Bush knows my name. So that was just – I think that was probably my biggest welcome to the NFL moment. Like, man, I'm, I'm playing ping pong, and I'm killing Reggie Bush in ping pong. That's dope, bro. And I'm a, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a huge New Orleans Saints fan. I know you spent a little time down yeah, there, yeah. but – I'm a huge, 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 huge Saints fan. So I was trying to do them same cuts. They just weren't working out quite as well for me. Now I'm, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> now I'm talking to you instead. I mean, I think it's a pretty good deal. I still got a good side of it. but it's, it, it always works out. Yeah, it always works out. It always works out. Blessed <laughs> and highly favored, always, always. So let's talk about it. You spent some time with a few different teams. You know, you started off in Buffalo. You had a few other pit stops, including like Denver, New Orleans, you know, Colts. Lions, Giants. Now we're with Washington. Yeah. <laughs> we're with Washington. So you're you're the perfect person to ask. Um, how does each locker room vary in terms of how they kind of do the day to day? Is it more similar than we realize as fans? Is it kind of is it, you know, like how does it differ? Like, is it genuinely like is is the culture really that different at other places depending on where you go? Just tell us about it. No doubt. No doubt. It's definitely different. And I think that's the coolest thing about my experience is that I've been able to go to different teams and see, you know, okay, this is why that team is good or this is why that team isn't good, you know. And uh, I've been on a good, a lot of good teams. I've been around a lot of good running backs. So I have a, a great perspective of the whole game. Um, and it's a business too, you know, and it, sometimes it sucks because sometimes it's just like being at the right place at the right time or sometimes you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, you know. So it's a little luck that goes into to being having a successful career because it's a team sport and it takes multiple people to be good. But um, there's, there's definitely a lot of differences. I used to love being in New Orleans. The locker room in New Orleans was amazing. Like great. We used to love going to practice. Like it was, it was fun. It was like, I don't know, man, just locker room in there was crazy. And that's why we were so good. You know, one year we, um, the year that we lost to, to Minnesota, I thought that that was going to be our year. That was a crazy play that we lost on, but, um, that locker room was amazing, man. And we all enjoyed each other. Everybody was friend. Everybody kicked it with everybody. You know what I mean? It didn't matter if you were on offense or defense or quarterback or a D lineman. Everybody kicked it with each other. And I mean, in, in Washington, it's similar too. To be honest, we have a really close knit um, locker room. One of the funnest like and one of the funnest locker rooms I've had. But our running back room is what's great. You know, all of us we really. Enjoy each other, man. JD is hilarious. JD McKissick is one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the locker room 
most locker rooms you love the guys, but it's the way that the, the practices are structured. Some people have longer days. Some people have shorter days. Um, Coach Rivera here is really good at keeping us fresh by our bodies and not overworking us throughout the week. You have some teams that you are going to work throughout the week. If <laughs> you, you are going to work, if, I mean, you know, it works for some, it works for some teams, some teams it doesn't, you know, but um, there's definitely, there's, there's definitely different mentalities depending on who's the head, who the head coach is, you know? So um, we love, we love Ron Rivera, man. Ron Rivera is a great dude. He is a great dude. He really is, you know, and he's, he's a player's coach too. And he's going to make, he's going to get the word from the team and see how, how a guy's feeling. Uh, but it's all about trust. The one thing that you have to have, if you're going to be that type of coach is that you have to have guys that you know, know how to work. You know, they're not just saying, Oh, I'm sorry because they don't want to do something. It's more like, no, this, I really need a break. Mentally, I'm still going to be locked in. Mentally, I I know, you know, what I have to do. I know my role. I know my job. I know the ins and outs of, um, you know, the game and the game plan. But you still have to make sure that you have those guys that, you know, they're going to be locked in, but, you know, you still want to keep them fresh, you know. So I think some of those teams that, that work physically try to open, you know, feels like overwork. Maybe they don't trust the hunger of the people on their team, you know, and they're trying to create that edge and they're trying to show people how bad you need it and how much attention and the detail that you need to pay. But um, I love that Coach Rivera is, is a player's coach. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And uh, you know, how does it feel at kind of like this point in your career that like you could be like that veteran presence in the locker room that like dudes are coming to like, like B Rob, like tell us about B Rob. Yeah. Tell us about y'all's connection a little bit. I know you said that y'all, like y'all, y'all's running back room is super close and y'all are loaded too, by the way. Like y'all got some no doubt. dogs. Tell us about, tell us about B Rob. And man, I mean, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by Brian Robinson. I mean, I mean, we, we know the incident that happened at the beginning of the year and then he came back, bro. And he came back like, he yeah, <laughs> yeah, real talk for real. B-Rob is a beast, man. For real. He, the crazy thing is that like, this is his personality. This is how tough of a dude he is. I heard he got shot. And the first thing that I heard when he got shot, well, first they said that he was good. You know, he was stable. He got shot in the leg and it, you know, he was going to survive. But I'm like, somebody probably tried to rob him. And he said, no. Like he's not going with it. So like, nah, that's not gonna happen. Like, I don't care if you got a gun or not. That was, no, like you know. So he, that's his mentality. He's he's just a tough dude. And he, but he actually is a good. He's a, a funny dude too. You know, he's not just this macho man all the time. You know, he's funny too. We we joke a lot in our in our running back room, man. I love B Rock. He's like a little brother to me. Um, like I said, our whole running back room is really close. Like for real, for real. Like we really are boys. Like we really hang out outside of the, uh, the facility and practice. Like we really have a, a, a true bond. I think that's why we had success. You know, I think that's helps us on the field. It helps us root for each other. We have a, a, a friendly competition where we all talk shit to each other, but we, it was in a friendly way, you know, so it's motivating, it's motivational. Um, but it's still that, you know, kind of keep you on your edge, kind of keep you on your toes type of love. So, um, Hey, I love those guys, man, for real. We're going to have to do a podcast with the whole Washington Commanders running back room. It sounds oh, man, like. that's going to be fun. You need to get J.D. on here. All J.D. Right. McKissick put, is probably the, one of the funniest people I've ever met. Put the word in for me. Put the word in for me. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Tell him to retweet this for me real quick. <laughs> but uh, so well, let's talk about it again. I mean, you've gotten to obviously play alongside some incredible players throughout your NFL career. 
I ask this question to every single athlete I get on my show. Who is the best player? You can list a couple of names if you need to. I'll let you cop out a little bit. But who's the best player you ever played with and against in your career? It could be that, all the way down to little gritters, man. It ain't got to be NFL. Who's some of the all-time football career best best player you played with and against? Man, that's tough. I mean, definitely in the NFL because I got to play with – I mean, I came to – I got drafted to Buffalo and we had LaShawn McCoy, Reggie Bush. Then uh, I went to um, Denver for a couple of weeks, and um, they had Jamal Charles that was there, who is the all-time great. I go to New Orleans. They got Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. You know, I got to play with Adrian Peterson. Um, so I've, I've played with a lot of good guys. For me, and I think the timing that I – at the time that I was there with that person, I was amazed by what they were doing. It was crazy. Like, just to watch it in real in real time to see what he was doing was crazy. And that's Alvin Kamara. I mean, I was there his rookie year, his second year. And it was just crazy. I mean, definitely because – and no disrespect to fans, but, you know, when you're watching the game, sometimes you don't always know the detail of the play. Like, if a play doesn't work, you you don't know what the play was supposed to happen. It's just going to be, oh, the running back did this or this, or he didn't get any yards. He got hit in the backfield. But you don't know why he did. You don't know if it was his fault or if the scheme was, you know, like you don't know how he's being coached to look at it, what he's being taught to aim at, his aiming points, you know, all that type of stuff. So to know, to be in that room and to see, you know, the detail of him doing what he was supposed to do and then what he did after you know, like what he did off of that was crazy. I'm watching like, oh, this dude is going crazy. Like it was just amazing to watch. It was definitely as a as a run a fan of running backs. You know, I love watching guys that, you know, you can see the detail in their run. You know, and Alvin was was definitely at the time that he was doing that. It was crazy to me. Um, so he was he's a really good player. Um, the best player that I played against. Uh, Hmm, is there tough. one dude that just like hit you and you're like, all right, I'm gonna remember that one? <laughs> uh, There's just so many good ones, bro. There's so many. Yeah, it is, it is, it is, man. Um, best player that I played against. That's tough. That's tough, man. Because, uh, I mean, there's so many freaks. The nature in football now. You got Micah Parsons. You got you know Miles Garrett. Do I just play back to back weeks? Um, uh, you know who's really good. Who I was like, woof! This dude is really a baller. Um, I can't even think of his name right now, which is bad. Um, Fifty-four for San Fran. Oh, Fred um, Warner. Fred Warner, oh, he's a he's a beast. He's a beast. Uh, it's a lot of good guys, man. To be honest, I can't just think about one guy. There's a lot of good guys that's, that's on on defense. I can't think about one guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's just let's move on. Let's move on. You ready for this one? <laughs> so, tell us about a time you had to overcome adversity. It can be on the field or off, um, and how how you overcame it. Uh, I mean, what we talked about earlier, the injury that I had as a senior going into my senior year, um, that was adversity for me, for sure. Uh, 
And like I said, I wish I would have handled it better initially. But I got I got over it just really digging in my faith with God, digging into my faith with God and realizing that things are still going my way, you know, and, and I mean, the best thing that I got from it was that you can't control, you're going to go crazy trying to control everything in your life, you know, and you got to have faith and you got to trust God and trust that his path is going to be the best path for you. And that just because right now it doesn't seem like, is going the way that you want it to doesn't mean that it, it isn't. And just enjoy the moments, you know. You can't try to – obviously, you have to go through life with some sort of plan and some pathway, but it's not going to go that way, you know. And you just have to enjoy the moments and enjoy it because the, the more positive that you are and the more that you're enjoying where you are, doors will open that you didn't even expect to open, you know, because we, we, we can't see the future. You don't know how the next day is going to go. And so – you being in a good mood, you having that positive mindset is going to put you in positive situations. It's going to ultimately lead you further than what you even wanted and thought of, you know? So um, I think going through that taught me and it's, it put me in a better position going forward. You know, I, now I can teach my kids that and let them know, Hey man, don't worry about, you know, you're, you're still going your way. It's not going to always go perfect, but you're blessed, dude. Keep moving, keep going forward, enjoy your life, have fun, you know, because as a parent, that's all you want for your kids is for them to enjoy their lives being, you know, be happy, you know, so I think having kids definitely um, showed me that too, you know, for I'm, sure. I'm about to have my first one in June. Yeah, man, dude, it's amazing. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but it gives you a lot of perspective though, dude. Right? I'm excited. It, a lot of perspective, and it makes life so much more real. You realize all the stuff that you used to worry about, it's like stuff don't even matter, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, because it gives you that perspective of you are a parent and then you see how your parents see you, you know? And it's like, man, I can't be unhappy because my, I know that my parents want me to be happy and nothing really is going bad for me. You know what I mean? Nothing really is, it might not be going exactly how you want it to go, but life is great. You know what I mean? Life is good. So it definitely gives you an extra perspective. Are you having a boy or a girl? I don't know yet. I'm actually finding out on no. Friday. On Friday, I'll mm, know. Okay. That's, that's exciting, man. I got I'll four tell you. sons. I got four sons. Yeah, that's so, dope. Um, it, it's, I love it, man, for real. Definitely having sons because it makes me be better because I got to show them what I want them to do, you mm -hmm. know? So they, they hold you accountable, for sure. Yeah. Your kids I mean, definitely hold you accountable. Hey, maybe next year me and, me and my little son will be watching Jonathan Williams on TV real quick. Hey, hopefully. <laughs> I, got one, I got one last question for you. What is one piece of advice that you want to give to our listeners? Uh, a piece of advice. Um, the biggest thing that I would want to tell people is just really what I've been saying all day. You know, you can have a plan, set a plan, and try to follow that plan. But if it doesn't go exactly to, you know, what you thought it was going to be like, it doesn't mean that it's not going your way. You know, have that faith in God. And God is going to lead you to, you know, God is going to show you. If, if you ask for something and you go through a difficulty or you go through a hard time, maybe that hard time is building you to lead you to where you want it to be. But you just didn't see it because we're humans. We're only humans. We can't see the future. So, you know, it's about having that faith and just knowing that God is going to lead you there, whether it's tough, whether it's a difficult time or not. Um, continue to go forward. Continue to have that positive mindset and be excited and be happy and enjoy your life and rub off on others and help other people and be in the moment and 
your life is going to be great. You know, when you're in the moment, everything is good. It's when you start trying to think about the next day or a year later or, oh, this plan is not going according to plan. I have to do this. by Man, just live every day as the day because you don't know what's going to happen the next day. So you got to appreciate the moments that you're you're in right now. Facts. Jonathan, thank you so much, man, for taking the time and talking to me today, man. I definitely – I, I made myself better just by listening to you today. And I hope all the people listening is going to feel the I same way. So too. I hope so too. <laughs> but man, uh, where can we find you out on social media real quick? Uh, J will part two. There it is. On Instagram and Twitter. So I'll make sure I plug it in the description of this. Thank you so much for hopping on the show. Um, I can't wait to see, you know, what God hasn't planned for you in your future, my man. So thank you so much for hopping on. No problem. Thanks for having me, bro.